0: Empire. Heal yeah, back to Hachimura! She um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assist from me and the most school fed baskets ever.
1: You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took a in <laughs> another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful.
2: It was like Eric Killmonger going for total
1: domination. What's up? is mine? We're
2: not going to be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! Yeah!
0: Thank you for joining us today. Hope you guys are having a nice week so far. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother Noel. Hey Noel, welcome back. We missed you last show. How's everything on your
2: end? Everything's good. Had to take a rest day. The stars do that sometimes. Yeah. You know, we take rest days on on non-critical games and things like that to to get our bones rested for big days like today.
0: Oh, is that what it was? Okay.
2: Yeah, that's what it was. It was a big rest day that I needed. It
0: wasn't the XFL thing. It just sickened you so much that you physically got sick. Yeah,
2: yeah, I physically I physically I, I was during the entire process of thinking about the xfl and i i was visualizing the rock in my head and i vomited nah. so i couldn't come on the air it well, was debilitating
0: well i'm glad that we're doing something that it doesn't make you as physically ill as the xfl so i hope everybody enjoyed hey, the last you got show your,
2: you got your fill good I job know. on it too by the way uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not i'm proud of you,
0: you oh know, well thank the, you
2: the, uh, every once in a while you know you got to give the employees their due
0: oh thank you Noel. that's so sweet of you <laughs> But as Noel mentioned, we got a big show today. Sort of kind of mentioned that. But we have another huge guest that we're going to have today. It's Ben Standig from The Athletic. And we're going to talk some Washington football team, a little training camp and some other interesting rumors that Ben's written about recently. Jack Del Rio, for instance. And what's the other one? The Alex Smith opting out. So we got some uh, some juicy stuff we can talk to him about.
2: Yeah, it's good. And I like that new helmet, too. Man, you sent me that picture the other day with the, with the 20 on the side and now they've like lightened it up and they've,
0: flatten the the paint a little bit flatten the
2: paint out a little bit
0: but it's not too flat
2: no 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 it's looking really good i love it it's looking really good i love that helmet and i hope they say hell with it and keep the damn thing
0: you even mentioned of my my tweet how that was fantastic oh great
2: yeah no absolutely absolutely the uh chicken salad out of chicken shit (laughs) yeah made chicken salad out of chicken shit good one i give a little thumbs up on that yeah if that's what they do on twitter is it thumbs up or hearts or
0: i don't even know know. uh (laughs) vomit emojis. That's one of yeah, my personal emojis. <laughs> Uh Let me get through this real quick. We have an Instagram page, Beltway underscore sports, underscore bros, underscore podcast. We're also on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod. We also have Facebook groups So search groups and type in our name, Beltway Sports Bros. Also, please check us out at empiremedia.com and all of the network's podcasts on there as well. One last thing, please subscribe or follow, and also download the episodes depending on what podcast app you use. It's 100% free, and all subscribing does is download the newest episode automatically so you don't have to search for it. All right, let's get right to it, and let's go to Ben Standig. Sad to say, but Noel and I are getting old, and we've been looking for ways to sharpen our hand-eye coordination reaction speed, but also like to throw something around outside with our kids once in a while. Then we found this product, Hico Sticks. Hiko Sticks has three prongs, three colors, throw it, call the color, and catch the color. Simple, right? It's way harder than it looks, and there are so many ways to increase the difficulty that challenges even the best athletes. For example, Odell Beckham, Alvin Kamara, Joe Burrow, just to name a few. They use it to take their training to the next level. So Hiko Sticks is the winner of the Men's Health Award. Even though it's already being used across all major pro sports and college programs, doesn't mean it's just for the elite. It also has the national standard for K-12 physical education curriculum with so many shutdowns and gyms closing, Heco Sticks is the perfect tool to add to your home workout. Or you can just make it a fun competition with your family. You know, while you're sitting at home, you can go to hecosticks.com for more details. When you order, don't forget to use our promo code Beltway Bros and get 10% off your entire order. Catch Heco Sticks today! <laughs> Hey, Ben, thanks for taking some time with us today. I know things are a little crazy for you during training camp and everything, but thanks for taking a few minutes with us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It is a constant situation where I'm always thinking, when can I get a nap in these days? But, you know, <laughs> sorry. it could be a lot of people have a lot of worse, so I'm not going to complain. Well,
0: let's just jump right into it, okay? So really, we're used to getting, I don't know, a tweet every three seconds about who's catching what and who's throwing what and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and we're not getting a lot of information as we are accustomed to. Obviously, you can't be there at training camp right now. I think at some point you will be able to, from what I hear. But other than you know your standard press conferences, how are you getting your information from players for, that how players are looking or how their position battles are, etc.? How different is it for you right now?
1: Yeah, I mean it's incredibly it's incredibly different. Like you said, we we would all be doing that silliness of like you know twelve of us in a row saying, "Wow, what a great throw by Kyle Allen to uh, Darvin Kidsey. Look at that." Um, <laughs> So I don't miss that. Uh, but yeah, look, I'm, obviously, I, I'm sort of taking it all in stride. While I understand for my job, it would be more interesting if you know and have a better understanding of the team if we could see anything. Look, there's a lot going on in the world right now, and you know, I, I, from the moment that this all started happening in March, I've just been kind of under the impression of, you know what, do the best you can, figure it out, and just kind of move forward. So you know, if you're, if, you know, if you said to me right now, hey, you know. Who's, who's doing great on defense, I honestly wouldn't be able to tell you, even if I've heard stuff. You know, I heard stuff a year ago that, it, depending on who you listen to, were telling me that Josh Dodson was looking good. And I was like, wait, I'm watching this. I don't see that. <laughs> and my sense was he wouldn't make the team, and I put that out there kind of early. So, or even to go back to 2015, when the last year when, when Kirk Cousins eventually took over for RG3, you know, some people were saying RG3 was looking good in camp, and it's not the way I saw the world. So even people who are – you may hear stuff, and unless I see it, and then, can once I see it, even if I then talk to people who then say, well, I disagree," at least then I have some context. So right now, it's tough. It is what it is. And look, I, the reality is, I don't even think the team is necessarily. I don't really know how much they're even doing. You know, we'll hear bits and pieces, but I think there for them, it's very much a, a slow, slow build up, a work in progress. It's a lot of you know, a lot of basic stuff. I don't think they're really practicing in any real way right now. So it stinks. But like I said, in the grand scheme of things, you know. It's not the biggest deal right now.
2: Well, I know when you watch those press conferences and everything where they have the position coaches or Rivera on there, even when Gruden was the coach, you take what he says about a certain player with a grain of salt, even when you've actually seen it, and now it's like all – Hinges upon what these coaches are talking about with the players. I feel like when you're talking about where they're going through positions or even with the Alex Smith situation, I mean, they're talking about him doing certain drills in the background or whatever it is, or he's looking good, he's able to stabilize himself and he's got motion. But for me, like you said, we're kind of totally in the dark with this whole thing where it's all up to the coaches to give the type of information that they want to give.
1: Yeah, I think the Alex Smith is a good example. Right. I actually wrote about this after Ron Rivera's press conference the other day, um, how he talked about Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. He said, again, for the umpteenth time, hey, Alex is doing great. If he can get cleared, he's in the competition for the quarterback and all that stuff. And, you know, if you just take him at his word, it sounds like that could happen. I am going under the impression that Alex Smith never plays again in the NFL. No, again, breaking news, not a doctor. And, and <laughs> right. haven't seen anything. For all I know, he's bionic, and he's on the verge of becoming a, an NFL player again, for real. In my own head, I can't wrap my head around how after the video we all saw, I mean, uh, you know, the documentary and all that, yeah. how this guy could get, could play, how he could get cleared to play, you know, all that stuff. So in my head, I'm not taking, I mean, I'm listening to what Rivera's saying, and you keep note of it but like i'm not just buying into it simultaneously he said that alex smith knows about 75 of, of the playbook even without doing a lot of stuff because he's just yeah. experienced so i followed up with by the way what percentage is haskins then and he said <laughs> and he said haskins is probably just a little bit behind that and now people took that immediately to be a sort of like oh no what that means haskins is not doing great but no that's not how i viewed it at all i viewed it as Haskins is a second-year quarterback who's not been in this offense. He doesn't have the experience that Alex Smith has or Kyle Allen does in this case. And, therefore, I took Rivera's words a different way. Like, that, no, he's praising Haskins. Whether I believe it or not is a different story, but he's praising him. So it really is important, I think, to, you know, have a a good filter in your own head, I think, of what they're saying and how to process it. Uh, Because, you know, some, some people say the overly positive stuff, Maybe it's true, but maybe they just want it to be true or they're trying to put out a positive message and other people are more straightforward. So it, it is part of the challenge of this job, but I think it's also one of the interesting parts of the job.
2: Well, I've been kind of outspoken about the Alex Smith situation too, about that. I just oh, yeah? kind of yeah. w- <laughs> <laughs> wish that he would just, I don't know, stay home. Um, I appreciate his efforts and I, I envy the guy for being able to do what he does and, and fighting back, but... Man, I just think that the, the negatives outweigh the positives, especially when we're in the dark like this. You can say he's doing a great job and he's really just kind of doing the the physical therapy and things like that. And where's Haskins head in all this? I, I When you're consistently having to answer questions about Alex Smith, I mean, that last com- press conference with Rivera, about half of it was about Alex Smith. And I don't know if it wears on at Haskins for a second year guy. I just think it's of questions that he doesn't
1: need to answer. Right. I mean, I don't know how much he's paying attention. You know, I, I mean, these guys, when they say they don't read the media, I don't always buy that. But at the same point, look, he, I mean, Haskins is actually seeing Alex Smith out there. So he must have some sense. And, you know, I don't know what he thinks. I'm sure people around him are sure. probably saying things that I'm saying like, the odds of Alex Smith ever playing again are pretty minuscule. So don't worry about it. Just do you. <laughs> right. I mean, if Alex Smith were to actually come back, get cleared, get out on the field, I think then we'd have a conversation about what's in the best interest of this organization. Is it to go to let the feel-good story play out at the potential harm of the of the guy you just drafted in the first round a year ago? You know, look. some people think Haskins has the goods. Other people are, are less sure. But regardless, you think logically you want this to play out. Let him get as much work as he can by the way we had no off season right so he's only getting training camp to go into a new season with a new coaching staff and a new playbook you want him to get as much work as possible you know even if Alex Smith were to come back that is a big question as to what you would do so I don't think it's a big deal that 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 it's a topic and Rivera says what he says again Alex Smith it's an unbelievable story that he's able to even walk and function and all these things and move around at all is Quite amazing. We talked to Jim Hosler today, the receiver coach, who also was Alex Smith's offensive coordinator with San Francisco 100 years ago. And he was saying, like, it's nothing short of miraculous that that Alex can do what he's doing. And I, and I agree. So I think that's all amazing. You know, I do, to be honest, like, I, don't, I think maybe we collectively are talking about it too much. But at the same point, to be honest, Alex Smith is a fascinating story. And there isn't a ton on this team that is. And we can't see anything else. So it is the one topic we can ask that will probably generate some interest locally and nationally that we can't say, hey, what's the key for Chase Young? We've done that 10 times, even if he's like the next most interesting thing. Same with Haskins at some point. Right. So I think that's partly on us and just how the news cycle works. I personally wouldn't worry about where Haskins is right now with this until Alex Smith gets cleared, which again, I'm not envisioning it <laughs> yeah. at that point. And then, then I think it starts to get interesting.
0: So moving on from Alex Smith, who's that conversation's tired already at this point. <laughs> how many times can we talk about it? Noel likes to ask the same questions, you know, you know yeah. what are you going to do? But uh, so, uh, you know, obviously the team just signed Inman the other day at wide receiver. On the last show, I kind of brought up the point that there's going to be a, quite a few cash-strapped teams. How COVID is going to be set up with $175 million as the baseline and, you know, maybe a little bit higher than that, but probably not much. So you got a good amount of teams that are going to be with their backs against the wall for next year and may need some money to roll over. So you know we you and I talked about it Ben. We had uh, Joel Corey on the other day, and he made a point to talk about uh, the Eagles, for instance, and they're they're in huge trouble next year, among other teams. But is there any talk about Washington making a trade for somebody like? And, and he's just an example, but Deshaun Jackson, right? He has a terrible contract. Um, he's getting paid way too much. I can personally see teams that like the Reds, like Washington, that has, you know, they have $60 million or whatever it is in cap space, and that should roll over to next year if they choose to. Are we going to see more stars that are traded to these other teams that are in better, have a better cap situation so they have that actual money to roll over? So my point is, Washington has a lot of needs, wide receiver being one of them, tight end being another, left tackle. They can say whatever they want. That they're they're set at those positions, but I think from an outsider's perspective, they could really use some help. Do you see some surprise trades happening for buying low situations and getting kind of you know a six round pick for Jackson, something like that?
1: Well, I think broadly, I think mean, you make a, a really good point. I mean, there there this whole salary cap situation, and I'll be honest, I can bar- I can barely balance my own checkbooks, so the salary cap stuff <laughs> often goes like way over my head, but. Right. I mean, there's going to be teams who are looking ahead to next year are going to be up against it for sure because of the likelihood that the cap will go lower and, uh, you know, if revenue falls and things like that. So I could see teams making some moves like that. I don't know about this team, though. What yeah. became apparent to me early on was so you go back to free agency, you know, they make this big run at Amari Cooper, don't get him. And then everything else they did, other than Kendall Fuller, which was a splashy signing from a money standpoint, but like, not the biggest deal in the world, relatively speaking, they didn't do any of that stuff. They kept all their money and they basically decided we're going to go for guys on short-term deals, one-year deals for the most part, who from a culture perspective do what we want to do. And Rivera has emphasized culture, culture, culture constantly. And I think, and kind of what he said to me when I spoke to him the other day, and he said it other times as well is, If nothing else happens this year, I mean, this is more of my interpretation of what he said, but if nothing else happens this year, they may not win any games. They're going to get this going in the right direction from a culture standpoint. And I think he's not going to want to jeopardize that by by making a a short-term play for somebody. Deshaun Jackson would be a bit of extreme because obviously he's got his own off-the-field issues right now, or, you know, with what he said recently. And I don't think they'd want to bring in, like, that level of distraction. But even beyond that, unless you literally had somebody who they think is just so worth the money, but simultaneously a person they want to have as a leader in this locker room, I don't think they're going to do it. I think ultimately this year is very much a, a a rebuild year. They're going to do what they can to, like I said, build up the young players, figure out what they have, set the appropriate tone. And then next year with the cap space they have, feeling better about where they are now as a group. I mean, plus, like this is not a normal offseason to boot. I mean, this NFL season will be insane. Whatever we all think is going to happen, probably will not. I wouldn't be stunned if there's a team nobody's picking makes the Super Bowl just because of crazy things are going to happen. I mean, you know, from players are missing games potentially because of catching COVID 19. Who, who knows what will happen? So maybe the Reds, yeah, I said it now. Maybe Washington gets home, <laughs> uh, but and, and things work their way. But I don't think they're going to plan for that. I'm assuming they're going to play for the rebuild. So I don't think they go make that kind of move. It's certainly not somebody on a short term deal. I think, they, I think they just keep going forward with this idea that we're, we're plugging away, we're setting the tone for what's going to happen going forward in the next year and get more aggressive.
0: Yeah, I, I just feel like this is a golden opportunity for some teams that are looking to unload players. You know what I mean? And sure. they could find guys that could be a part of the future that are potentially getting overpaid. And so I, I just hope that they don't take the route of, oh, we're in rebuilding mode. We you know, shouldn't take advantage of... Being able to get players that they would normally not be able to get at a cheap price, and I hope that they do pounce on situations like that if they have the opportunity. But what
1: are you going to do? I don't think your idea is wrong, and like I thought it was interesting. Like when I went back back in free agency, I remember looking at the the receiver situation, going looking at the free agent options, and thinking, "Wow, it really is like Amari Cooper or bust." There is nobody else in this group that like I was afraid that they may do what they've done in years past. You know, overspend on a guy. It was interesting, like a Robbie Anderson was okay, but like, you're really not a one and you're going to spend too much money and all that. And they didn't, they went all in on the one guy who was interesting and then completely downshifted. So I thought to me, that was interesting from a tactical standpoint that they seem to understand the market, at least see it the way I saw it. So based on that, I'm saying maybe there's some reason to think that they would take advantage of somebody if they think, Hey, this guy, if he was available at that price, we would be willing to spend it. And yeah, we think trading, whatever the pick is, you know, especially the way you're just a day three pick, like the way you're kind of talking about it, that may be something to do. I I think that makes sense. So maybe it would have to be somebody they really both buy into as a player and a locker room person, more than just like a short term fit for 2020. Well, do you Agreed. think that a couple of guys on
2: this roster right now? I mean, they've got so many guys, so many young guys vying for positions. I mean, I'm looking at the receivers. Obviously, it's McLaurin, and who's going to be the number two? And then at running back, you're kind of stacked. Where these guys, Bryce Love, for example, he's not going to be able to showcase himself with preseason. I feel like some of these guys might lose out on making this club or end up being on practice squads, for example, because they can't showcase everything. Even like offensive linemen, where there's not going to have that full contact that they can showcase. And running back is one of those spots where, man, you can't showcase anything on a seven-on-seven. I mean, these guys look like they run 80 yards every single time when they touch the ball. I love the Bryce Love pick, no pun intended. And I feel sure, that he could he could be, <laughs> with Gibson coming in, he could kind of be the odd man out. And they already have two tweener guys that can kind of do everything. So do you think there's going to be some guys that lose out that aren't going to have that prove-it time in the preseason?
1: Definitely for sure. I mean, it's definitely there, – there will be, like to some degree, you have to imagine the coaching – like on the one hand, some of these positions are incredibly wide open. You mentioned receiver. Other than McLaurin and maybe Steven Sims, it's hard to know what to make right. of any of these guys. If you told me Cam Sims is starting week one, okay. I mean, why not? I mean, That's you, Noel's guy.
0: Is that right? I love him.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, his first year, he looked great. So, I'm yeah. talking like, 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 literally. Like <laughs> the preseason. Like, anything is possible. If you told me that Jeremy Sprinkle doesn't make the team as a tight end, that they go with, like, Thaddeus Moss and uh, Hale Henskis or whatever as the, as the backups to, to Logan Thomas, okay, sure. I mean, why not? I think anything is conceivable to a degree, but at the same point, it will be hard for some guys to be able to, to rise up and to take over. The, the running back spot is an incredibly fascinating one. I mean, I've made the argument that if you bind to the rebuild story I just said a second ago, that they should look to maybe see what they can get for Adrian Peterson. Because again, if you're rebuilding towards the long haul here, you'd much rather let, again, we have to see about health, but you'd much rather, I would think, let Geis and Gibson and Bryce Love handle the ball than, it, than Peterson, who while he saved this offense the last couple of years, and is obviously a, a Hall of Fame player. Where is he with this team going right. forward? Probably nowhere. On the other hand, man, he's the only stable thing we know they have. <laughs> right, and, and, right. And, and, you know, you need – you know, one of the things that's frustrating, I think, is that Dwayne Haskins, you're trying to help him out, but he doesn't have a lot of help. So it's, it's just a tricky situation of how do you give everybody the opportunity to show what they can do, but in the shortened training camp, you got to get ready, and you probably – you know, Adrian Peterson doesn't need training camp, Right. But you want to give these young guys uh, opportunities. So, but you need Adrian Pearson on the field with Dwayne Haskins and the other, and to get a feel for what you have. Scott Turner needs to see what, the, what he's got. He, this is all new for him too. So it is a tricky thing. Some people are definitely going to get hosed when it comes to a lack of opportunity. Um, I think you look at a lot of different positions on this team and you look at battles that would be fun to discuss that now you're going to be like, total yeah uh, I, I i personally
2: think that peterson probably would have been gone if they would have had a full regular beginning of the season where that they had full training camp and preseason and and Geis or gibson or love had showcased themselves like you said to a good point that what do they need him for i mean i what? besides the stability aspect right now Things, everything's so up in the air, not just with Washington, but with any other team that you might have to keep that stability just to salvage something. And this
1: is also the other point. Like, you know, you could also look at say like a Ryan Kerrigan. He's on the last year yeah, of his deal. Exactly. You, you now have Chase Young, Montez Sweat, you know, Ryan Anderson's also on the last year of his deal, but he's a younger guy. Could easily say, look, let's just give those three guys all the work maybe look to trade Ryan Kerrigan, but this would be sort of the opposite of what of what you were saying a second ago about the uh, acquiring somebody. Maybe you look to, to move a guy like Kerrigan if you don't think he'll be back. But Rivera's trying to build this culture, and a guy like Kerrigan is the classic, you know, watch yeah. what that guy does. And Peterson, you know, to some degree the same way. Obviously, he's in phenomenal shape always. He's had a great career. You want your younger guys, I'm sure, on some level to, to learn from him. So it's that tricky balance of we need to – build but simultaneously we got we can't we have to have somebody out here that could do some things. so i think that's part of their challenge with this uh you know shortened offseason
0: so let me know if you got a run okay but a couple more here and we'll let you go but sure. i want to ask you about the conversation you had with jack del rio that's you know created a, a little bit of a stir in the media circles here so you always seem to do that by the way with your articles so that's that's pretty impressive <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but the guy basically called players i don't know we can curse on this, so if it's okay with you, you go with that. <laughs> the guy basically called his players pussies—the ones that decide not to opt out, right? And have you heard anything about his comments rubbing any of the players the wrong way? Because I could definitely see that happening.
1: So it's been interesting, right? He made some comments earlier in the summer about some political comments, and that's what led to the conversation that I had with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're, we're we've been at this point this year where athletes are not afraid to speak out. We saw. NFL players, including Chase Young, put together a video uh, with regards to uh, police brutality, and that led to the NFL to immediately respond and talk about, you know, players can kneel and, and they're, they're behind this movement and things like that. And yet when Jack Del Rios made comments that he made, I, as far as I could see, I don't remember seeing any player coming out and saying anything. Now, right. the, is the Washington locker room, relatively speaking, not that politically interested v- versus other places? Maybe. I mean, it all comes down to the individuals. Again, Chase Young was in that video. He's only a rookie, so I don't know what he's going to say. Haskins was part of the Black Lives Matter uh, march or, or, or movement to protest down here, sorry, during the summer. So, you know, he spoke out, but he's also a young guy. So I haven't really heard too much about guys speaking out. I mean, I think that also, whereas Jack Del Rio's comments are, the, the fact that he's outspoken to that degree, regardless on some level of what side he was on, it's rare to see a coach, especially an assistant coach, kind of go down that right now. I think that's sort of what, made it a little bit interesting, uh, you know, just that he would do it. But he's not new to the scene. He's been a player in the league for over 10 years. He's been a two-time head coach. He's been an assistant. I think people understand who Jack Del Rio is. I'm not making a judgment on that. I'm just saying I don't think he's – I don't think whatever he said was completely caught people off guard. So I suspect that people, you know, okay, this is what he thinks. So I haven't heard about that, but that was partly why I asked him if he felt that he needed to – to talk to any of his players or had any of his players reach out to him, and he said he said he hadn't talked to anybody. So um, take that well, take him as a word for that. So yeah, at the moment at least, it doesn't appear that that anybody has. I'm not saying they don't have any issues with anything, but they haven't expressed it apparently.
2: Well, I think that also everybody knows. You know, he's a defensive player. He's a no nonsense guy that you know would put some dirt on it. That type of attitude. I think he's having this sometimes. He has a lot of young guys on his team. And I think that a lot of young guys that are fighting for spots on the team, and what are they going to say? I mean, it's not a veteran-laden team where they can be like, "Look, man, you know, we're grown men. We're going to do what we feel is the right thing to do." I think some of these guys are fighting for paychecks, and for for him to put them between a rock and a hard place like that, it's concerning. Also, moving forward, that yes, on paper, free will, do what you want to do, but you know, a guy like Harvey Clemens. It might be in the back of Del Rio's mind next season when he comes around and like, Oh, you're back. Huh? Mm. Oh, you welcome back. (laughs) I mean to to some guys, this might rub a coach to say, all right, I've got between this guy that stuck through it and this guy that decided to leave. I'm going to go with the guy that stuck through it. That's just my opinion on it.
1: Yeah. When he and I talked uh, the Harvey Clemency had not come out yet. It came out a few hours later. So, um, and I mentioned specifically Caleb Brantley because Caleb Brantley was ruled that he was sitting out as a high risk. So, I mean, in my head, I mean, I, I tried to differentiate between guys who were out with a specific high risk issue versus players yeah. who were opting out for potentially other reasons. So, hopefully, that was point was made clear enough. So, when he responded as he did, saying that he was going to keep his own opinions about guys guys opting out to himself because it wouldn't probably go well for his current uh, occupation, that there's a difference there. So, you hope that's the case. And look, ultimately, Ron Rivera, right, is the is the head coach. I mean, Ron Rivera seems to be – he seems to understand the idea that some guys are opting out, just like he said to me when I talked to him previously about that he he has, he has said that he is, you know, going to support guys that choose to kneel, even if he himself isn't going to because he's got a military family and he doesn't want it. For him, that's not the way to go. So, you know, ultimately Rivera seems to be understanding of that, even if, hypothetically, uh, Del Rio, based on his comments, may, may not be as you laid it out. So, look, this whole thing is, is incredibly – Tricky, I I personally am fascinated by this in the sense that, you know, back in the day when I was a lad, you know, we we always heard, you know, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, and nobody pays attention to either of those things anymore.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and especially heck, I I don't remember when politicians were whatever cuss. Now they're just like, boom, they'll let it out no matter what. It's it's a completely different time. (laughs) And, um, some good, some bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all, everybody doesn't agree on stuff. And that's part of what what makes, you know, society, it makes the world go round. But in this case, when you're a new coaching staff and you're trying to get these guys to buy in and it's as interesting, you know, regardless of what the message is, whether it's something that Rivera is saying or another coach, how do you connect with these guys? So I think that to me is what makes it interesting. You know, look, just because people speak for the other side, doesn't always make that what they're saying is completely accurate there are people who are just going to disagree. And it's, it doesn't matter what my personal beliefs are, but they have to figure out. I mean, this is part of what makes a football team interesting, right? You have all these guys, like at least I'll say on the NBA side, if we're viewing it from a political lens, most of these guys you would generally imagine coming from the same principal side, the same kind of side of the aisle. But football, like you can see where the, these players are All come over to the place, yeah. And if it's going to be this out in the open, forget even just Del Rio, just for themselves, How do you in an election year with so much happening, so many huge topics even beyond the election, how do you come together for the common good and build towards something you, you guys all want this common goal of trying to win? I think that part is pretty interesting and pretty fascinating. And you know, Del Rio said whatever he said, but that's just part of the equation. There's other guys who may agree with him, but there's other who may vehemently disagree with him. Whatever you think, how do you, can you ignore all that stuff? when things are so politically charged, I think it's an interesting topic for any team.
0: And that's what I was saying on the last show. I mean, basically, like, by saying these things, there's so many, so many issues on both sides, right? There, People have their opinions. And what does he get out of bringing this topic up? Nothing good can come of it. You know what I mean? It's when you're trashing people that are saying, oh, you know, basically, you're a pansy for opting out. And he didn't say those words, but he pretty much did. Especially when the NFL has such done such a porous job with this whole COVID situation to begin with. They're not in a bubble. They don't have really any great plan in place, from my perspective anyway. Joel Corey, for instance, again, I'll bring him up. He doesn't even think the season's going to finish, or there's going to be a long break in between because of what's happening with having to travel from place to place and having 90 guys in your roster right now and just assuming everybody's going to do the right thing. I mean, the Saints, for instance, I'm sure you've heard, they basically created their own bubble. The fact that that teams are forced to do their own thing versus the league is controlling it, it's not going to go well. And this guy coming out and saying these types of things, he's going to piss a lot of people off. And I'm surprised that people haven't come out yet. And on top of that, he's a coach saying, don't say stupid shit. He goes out of his way, don't, don't go on social media and say stupid things or don't be outspoken about things as a team environment. And now he's going to go ahead and trash the guys that are going to opt out. It just seems kind of ass backwards to me.
1: Yeah, I mean... Um you know, in terms of the overall situation with regards to the to the league, um, you know, or or in terms of the plan or, or lack thereof, you know, it's tough. I mean, so much of what's happening right now in this country is, r- regardless of where one comes down on the, the topic of the mask issue, right? I mean, I don't quite understand why anybody is not, is, is anti the mask, but right, agreed. Is what it is. But that <laughs> but that stance, that belief is leading to where we're at right now, right? right I mean, if, right. If, if we're not curing coronavirus tomorrow, there is no vaccine. And the idea of avoiding people, social distancing, wearing a mask, these are all dodges right now to try to, as best we can, slow the process and help the hospitals not get overwhelmed, and and but also lower the num- number of cases so that if people are coming together, you, you lower the risk of everybody picking it up and, you know, whatever, I'm not breaking news here with that. So <laughs> the I, I guess what's tough is, you know, because... From the top down of the country there was no coherent plan and then that it basically was led to every single entity whether we're talking about a fortune 500 company or an nfl team or the mom and pop store or your or an individual family obviously everybody would be up to them on some level anyway but everybody just had to sort of figure out what to do and this whole thing is insane this is a once in a century type dilemma situation uh you know it's still unclear what's going to happen or what should happen or, or everything so when you don't have a, a coherent plan from the top down, I think it led to a lot of people just having to, to somewhat flail away. It's a lot easier Fent for the for NBA. Own, yeah. It's a lot easier for the NBA, obviously, to do a bubble because of the number of people involved. I don't know realistically what the NFL could have done from a bubble perspective because of the sheer amount of people. I mean, You probably have, including the players and the staff, 100 people on a team, let's just say. Boy, you know, what do you do for that? But this is the issue. Like At some point, it does feel like this thing is, is going to fall apart that we're, it is going to be a challenge to make it through the season.
2: Well, hopefully Del Rio can just get to coaching at this point. Yeah, just well, coaching nice. the guys that are there and worry about being a, a defensive coordinator and allow his players that are there to play. And that's what they always love to say at these press conferences anyway. We're working with the guys that are here. So they, yeah. they love to say that we're working with the guys that are here. Anytime there's a guy on a holdout or anything like that, we're working with the guys that are here. So that should really be the only thing coming out of his mouth at this point when it comes to whether it be COVID or guys opting out or anything like that. That's my opinion. Just get to coaching. They're finally able to be on the field. And that's what he should, where his mindset should be, in my opinion.
0: All right, Ben. Well, we've taken up too much of your time. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. You're, you're, you're probably, awesome, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. And obviously, you're on the athletic.com and, and the app, which I am a subscriber. But is there anything else we should look out for? What big news are you going to break here? What new breaking tomorrow? news do you got coming up? <laughs> yeah give us give us a little taste
1: <laughs> um I don't know about any breaking news, but yeah, I mean, you know look, I mean like i said it's it's a challenging time right now when you don't when you can't see well we all kind of have a routine uh, to some degree we fall into about how we cover training camp, and there's no observations to make, we won't be out there for another week or so, um so eventually we'll get back out there right now, you know, just trying to plug away with uh thoughts on the team, you know, you got you still gotta do reporting and talk to people you know with the team away from the team so Uh, a couple things i'm working on like uh, i'll I'll just sort of say wait and see i mean but that i I don't mean anything wait and see like wow (laughs) yeah no i got you (laughs) but just uh, that partly why i'm not even i'm saying wait and see is uh it's a day-to-day circumstance of if i feel like writing on a given day some days i'm like i'll write four stories and other days i'm like (sighs) tired today no not
2: possible
0: all right so thanks again for ben joining hey but no let's get down to what everybody's been waiting for shall we
2: Let's do it. That's why I took the day off, man. We're ready to rock and roll here.
0: A lot of research on your end, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, big time. uh, On today's installment of Top 5 Friday, we are going to be discussing the craziest and weirdest superstitions in sports. That's a working title so we'll see how that (laughs) works. Noel had the idea after hearing my amazing solo episode uh, when I talked about Jack Del Rio and his thoughts on players opting out due to COVID.
2: Well, here's why I thought of it because the guy, you know, he's kind of weird and quirky. I don't even necessarily know and and I haven't heard this anywhere but from some of the things that I've seen from him as far as, you know, you can also get hit by a car and comparison that to COVID and this and that. To me he's on like that quasi flat earther, maybe even thinks COVID's kind of a hoax a little bit type thing. Haven't heard this, but based on old interviews and things that I've seen of him, I kind of get that vibe. So what I was thinking was people have these weird thoughts and weird ideas and superstitions and things that make them operate in a certain way. So I figured, you know what? Let's do some weird, fucked-up sports superstitions. And that's why it popped into my head, because I'm like, geez, you know, people have the weirdest shit that they think about, and, like, 90% of the population think it's completely nonsensical, but we got some to establish uh, what others think in the sports realm.
0: Yeah, we thought we'd go sports being a sports show, so that's smart. Yeah, yeah. Not just going completely off-base, but I could come up with a few of my own for you, but regardless, (laughs) um, all right, well, let's get started here at number five. Yeah. I'm going to start with Les Miles. All right, so this one's a little more well-known. A good amount of people know this, but the LSU football coach, Les Miles, actually will eat grass on the field before every single game and also does it during pressure-filled situations. Here's a little quote from Les that I thought was pretty funny. You should have seen some games before this. I can tell you one thing. The grass in Tiger Stadium tastes the best, end quote. So, what a fucking weirdo. I mean, like... He actually knows the different tastes of the grass.
2: Yeah, like what? the Bermuda, the Bermuda <laughs> or the Kentucky. Uh, like he goes to Augustine. He almost has an orgasm. Oh, my
0: God. He must just love Augustine. <laughs> yeah, but what do you do with field turf? Is he eat that? The,
2: yeah, no, exactly. I was going to say that. What the fuck does he do then? Does he bring in like his own little patch? <laughs> he, he, of, he maybe from...
0: takes the, the grass out of like the outside of the stadium. Oh, just, maybe. Just so he gets a quick taste. I don't yeah, know. yeah,
2: a quick, quick fix. What, that's fucking. Fuck. I mean, th- and that's the type of shit that I'm talking about. I mean, just people have these weird quirks and you don't even know why they have them or why they have these beliefs that these things are going to help or not help them. Yeah,
0: it's fucking weird. All right. So what's your number five, Noel?
2: <laughs> my number five is an obscure one. But um, in, my, in my research of these things, I, I, I find weird stuff. Vincent Tan, he's a multi-billionaire and he, uh, he's like one of the richest people in Asia right? Okay. He owns Cardiff City, a English soccer club, which uh, he's owned since 2010. So the weird part about it is, hey, by the way, you think that fucking Daniel Snyder is involved? Yes, I do. <laughs> wait, till you hear th- wait till you hear this. You're going to love Daniel after this
0: one. Eh, we'll see.
2: So this guy gets himself involved in player transactions, right? In Asia, the culture is the number eight is considered a very lucky number, okay? It means... Generates wealth in Japanese. It, it has a similar connotation there. So, what he decided he wanted to do was he wanted to hire players and bring in players that had the birth date of the number eight in it. <laughs>
0: Is that that's that's kind of similar to Snyder only wanting to bring in guys from uh, the D.C. metro area. Right. So that's his number eight, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's his number eight. But yeah, I mean, if you're born on August 8th, 1988, I mean, speaking of orgasms, this guy must go bonkers. (laughs) But yeah, since he came on. This guy's hired, brought in five players with the number eight in their birthdays. They've weighed players and and said, okay, we've got player A and player B. Which one are we going to bring on? He would take the one that had the eight in it. I mean, this is an owner of a soccer club that is surrounding his success around the number eight. It's absolutely insane to me.
0: Did it work well for him? What's their...
2: Yes, yes. They finally got promoted to the Premier League a couple years ago. Oh, nice. And then they, yeah. relega- and they relegated in 2019. So there you go. They've been up once, up into the Premier League. But still, to you invest all this money in this shit, and then you bring this quirk in. How the hell do you operate with someone like that? Anyway.
0: How do I operate with somebody like you? Uh, I would I it's, don't it's, know. It's I don't know.
2: You just do it, <laughs> I guess. You just do it. You spending billions on this show?
0: Getting there. Getting yeah. there. Well, all right. So, my number four is MLB player Moises Alou, I believe is how you say it. Moises. Moises. Okay, that'll yeah. work. You're the uh, baseball guy, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, once admitted that he peed in his hands to harden them before games. Uh, <laughs> according to doctors, Urinating on your own hands does not harden; if anything, it softens them. <laughs> so I'm not exactly. It's a liquid. <laughs> it's a liquid. I'm not sure exactly what he thinks he's getting out of that, or where it even came from, but why he would consider peeing on his hands as a benefit to his play, I have no idea. Seems kind of silly, but there you go.
2: Hey, man, whatever makes you hit, I guess. I mean, uh, baseball players have some of the weirdest quirks. They really man. do. I mean, they really do. They have these shticks that they just hold by that. It's just completely nonsensical. Just to get off topic for just a second, it makes me think even Nonai Nonno, they had their weird things. In Italy, nobody wants ceiling fans. They think it makes you sick. Well, you don't have goddamn air conditioning, okay? <laughs> could, could I have a fan? Could I have a fan? No, no, no. It'll make you sick. Even to this day, we're not talking about like the 1950s here. We're talking about two thousands.
0: What about the the turtle shell that always freaked me out? You remember the turtle? That? Oh yeah, the turtle shell. Don't Jesus. move the
2: turtle. Well, we had the, okay, little back. Yeah, yeah. There, there was this box turtle at my <laughs> grandparents' house, right? And he just walked around. She gave him lettuce, this and that. Well, all of a sudden, he died and ended up behind like the radiator somewhere. Unbelievable. Well. <laughs> She said it was bad luck for the shell to be moved. I would go back there just to mess with her every once in a while, like pretend that I was going to move the shell. And she would be like, what are you do you <laughs> doing? Yeah, you couldn't move the damn shell. It yeah, I mean, it's it me it just, just funny quirks that people have, man. It's I, just weird. I
0: didn't even know that that was like a quirk of theirs. I just thought that, I, I don't know what I thought. I just knew there no, was you, a turtle like, shell she didn't in the want, kitchen. she
2: didn't give a shit about the germ. She liked the shell there, and that was it. So weird. For whatever reason, the shell needed to be there.
0: Yeah, well... <laughs> So I'm sure we got a couple others that could (laughs) pop into our heads. Go ahead, Noel. What's your number four?
2: Speaking of weird things, Mike Bibby. I mean, this isn't really a shtick. This is more of an OCD problem, I would say. Hmm. This guy, between in timeouts or commercial timeouts, whatever it is, he would persist to gnaw on his fingers. You know, a fingernail biter.
0: LeBron does the same thing.
2: I do the same thing. I bite my fingernails. I'm guilty of it. But not like this. I mean, every commercial break to the point they're in the huddle and guys are like, dude, I mean, he's like gnawing at skin and taking it down to nubs to the point that they said, look, we've got to do something about this. He's not even listening in the huddle. He's going so crazy on his freaking fingers that they decided to get him a nail clipper, right? And the nail clipper, every time there's a time off. One of the assistants comes over and hands him the nail clipper. And he goes, clip, 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 clip. Like, and he's sitting over there going nuts. Because the guys were like, Luke, man, you can't sit here like an inch from my face, gnawing on your fingers while I'm in the huddle here.
0: Ugh. That reminds me of uh, Karan Butler when he would always chew on that fucking straw. Oh, my god, I wanted to puke.
2: Uh, it was. So- you know, he went through like 60 straws in a week. And, uh, yeah. That's what he said. They had to be the McDonald's, McDonald's straws. McDonald's is what I was going to say. They, they're a
0: little <laughs> thicker. Yeah. A little more density to them, I guess.
2: Right. Right, hey, right. Like those.
0: Um, uh, all right, so moving on to number three. My number three is Lyota Mashida. I'm not a big UFC fighter, a UFC fan, I should say, but this one was particularly disgusting. So <laughs> he, um, he's a fan of drinking his own urine. <laughs> Speaking of urine, I'm back-to-back on that.
2: Back-to-back, it's a theme, man. So it's he, a theme. I don't know why P is, is in this. Well, but,
0: yeah. like, this is his thoughts. Let's see. Yeah. Apparently, he is into urine therapy and believes that it has medicinal qualities. Quote, from him, he says, People think it's a joke. I never said it in the United States because I don't know how the fans will react to it, but I drink my urine every morning like it's a natural medicine. End quote. What the fuck? I mean, <laughs> like seriously that's you piss because there's toxins in your body that it's flushing out you're putting exactly you're taking the (laughs) toxins that are supposed to leave your body back into your body what the
2: if you're on a deserted island or you're in the desert and that's the only liquid that you have hey man you got to do what you got to do all right but just because you think it's cleansing the whatever it's cleansing Oh I Lord. mean, people have drank urine before to survive if they don't have anything else. I, I, I've never heard of such a thing.
0: It gives you some kind of competitive advantage. of His Some spinach. kind?
2: Of- spinach. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, all right. What's your number three?
2: All right. Here's a real effed up individual right here, Turk Wendell. He was oh. a journey. Yeah, he was a journeyman reliever. Played base major league baseball from like '93 to 2004, and just a full blown maniac. Full blown. I mean, he had the usual quirks of jumping over the baseline you know when you go over the field a lot of baseball players do that you know they don't step on the line or anything like that when they're jumping on the field so that one I can give a pass on because of the amount of people that do it. but this guy used to have to chew exactly four pieces of black licorice mm. while he was pitching so during the inning he's out there throwing away four exactly four pieces of licorice and then when the inning was done he would go to the dugout and he would go to the back and he would vigorously brush his teeth. Between innings, so we go in and I guess clean out the licorice for the next round. I I, I don't know.
0: Got to clean your palate, I guess. You, you,
2: you, you got to get it done, man. <laughs> you got to get that black licorice. Black licorice is horrific by the way pop loves it good old uh, blackjack
0: blackjack
2: you found that shit didn't you i, uh? I did i was gonna buy it for his birthday a big carton of it they discontinued it you can buy they have like one pack on amazon now for like 150 dollars because they don't make it anymore like a box of it if
0: we knew back in the day just if hold knew, on to those bad boys i yeah. know
2: right but yeah and also he wore a necklace of teeth yeah a, a necklace of teeth of animals that he hunted God. So he would kill the animals. He would pull the teeth out, and he made a necklace out of it.
0: I thought you were going to go Universal Soldier. <laughs>
2: Universal <laughs> hey, Soldier. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Not ears. Teeth. Not ears. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. So this guy. That's what he did. This is his things that he had to do. It. He could not function without these parameters in place. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's your boy. My boy. Never yeah. even heard of the man. but
0: <laughs> all right. So moving on to number two, Jason Giambi, more well known guy on this list here so back in 2008 jason jambi was was dealing with a bit of a slump as baseball players tend to do and he was very desperate to get out of this slump so he of course turned to the obvious option to go towards and that's (laughs) (laughs) wearing a gold thong which apparently the slump ended pretty quickly after that of course it did right and then of
2: course it had to i mean that's what made it happen
0: (laughs) and then even more interesting a bunch of his teammates caught wind of this and they started wearing gold thongs in order to get out of their slumps or just to play better overall. Yeah. Okay, so number one, of all things on planet Earth, to think that would help you get out of a slump, a gold thong, how, how did that even come to
2: his mind? I guess in his mind, again, no information on this, but maybe it was so ridiculous that it, he was trying too hard to bat, that he had the, he knew that he had this ridiculous thong on, and maybe it's like seeing people naked in the crowd when you're on stage. I don't know. I'm rationalizing the unrationable. Sure. We'll go with that.
0: No, but I was thinking maybe like his favorite stripper gave it to him.
2: Yeah. 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 No. He's like, no, no, this is,
0: this will get you out of the slump, big boy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Got me, got me out of some hard days and got me out of, you know, put me through college, man. <laughs>
0: I don't know. How could you even rationalize? <laughs> no, and like even that?
2: no, and some of his players were trying to rationalize it too. Like Johnny Damon, he says the mechanics of the thong makes you focus on your hands and balance. Oh, like okay. I guess this how it restrains your areas or your goes up your ass crack, whatever it does keeps you tight. Like, Whoop! It keeps yeah. you tight, you know, yeah, tight does. at the plate. Right. I don't. Right. Fuck you. All right. Well, what's your number two, Noel? My number two is Sergio Goycochea he was the uh, an argentinian goalkeeper so what this guy he played for actually he played for argentina in the 1990 national team that and he was the keeper when italy lost to them in the sh- in the penalty shootout mm. so apparently during these shootouts this is what this guy likes to do when he knows that a penalty shot is about to happen he'll crouch down either at the goal and begin to urinate
0: so <laughs> <laughs> let it fly
2: that's what he does he would crouch down and piss, and he would do this before any time it would happen. And he was asked about it, and he's like, "Um, it was my lucky charm. No one complained."
0: <laughs> so he just basically let it. Yeah, he just let it go on the field is what you're saying. Just yeah, let it fly. yeah,
2: no, yeah. He would he would crouch. I mean, I don't know if he pulled it out the bottom or out of the shorts. I don't know that particular part of it, but well, he, soccer
0: shorts are pretty short. So soccer, you know, soccer pre-
2: shorts are pretty short. He, uh, you know? Yeah. Easy access, easy access. So yeah, that it's conceivable, but yeah, he would, he, he would brag about it. I mean, man, I can barely pee sometimes when someone's standing behind me at a damn urinal, <laughs> you know, well. this guy's in front of 80,000 people shoot out in the world cup, squat, <laughs> squat. I mean, that's ridiculous. And then so it worked in the World Cup. It was... Kind of his thing at that point.
0: Once it works, it works. Keep it going. On command. All right. So that was your number two, right? Yeah. Let's get ready for number one, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So my number one. Hey, Noel. How about this? How about you go number one this time? I oh, think okay. my I think mine's the absolute best. So I'm gonna let you take the floor.
2: Plus, mine's a dupe anyway. I had the number one, the the Giambi golden thong. I just thought that that was so completely outrageous, and the fact that he almost got a cult following from his team. This is how ridiculous, dumb shit becomes contagious dumb ideas you watch them on tv and things like that and you're like wow do people actually freaking believe that and you start to realize wow there's followings of ridiculous shit like flat earthers
0: well especially with social media and everything <laughs> yeah, i mean yeah, it's exactly. spreads like wildfire so, yeah
2: i mean the gold thong one was number one for.
0: and me. i think that also um, helps with your hatred of baseball that cements the oh yeah the no, it, it locked all, it in all of the crotch grabbing and spitting yeah, yeah, and yeah they they do have all this weird time
2: shit. he was grabbing a gold thong when he was doing that <laughs>
0: just thought it was his cup it's a little bit more of the story than that all right so my number one finishing this bad boy off is the african football club midlands portland cement is what they're called uh, that's it's a bit of a mouthful uh <laughs> So it is, I guess, technically their name is Midlands Portland Cement, if I'm saying that properly from an African standpoint. Anyway, but back in 2008, this team was losing some games, right? They didn't know what to do. The coaching staff felt like there needed to be a bit of a change. So they decided to go into the Zambezi River, a place that nobody should swim in. I'm sure there's a lot of shitting and pissing and you know horrible creatures, like for instance, crocodiles. So what happened was they were instructed to take a cleansing dip into the by their coach
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i don't know if any of the players were happy about this but i guess you do what your coach tells you to do unfortunately one of the players drowned in this incident <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and you know sure enough they lost their next match because of that but
2: <laughs> were they short a man they have to play with 10 <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't think that they received a red card for this action oh, but oh okay <laughs> apparently they were fighting through crocodiles and other sea monsters or river monsters in there then they went ahead and lost their match and continued losing but to me somebody has to die in order to be my number one (laughs) and I think that this uh this kind of takes the cake it's one thing to have gold thongs another thing to lose a life because you're trying to do it
2: you want to talk about motivation for a team to try to win a game all right boys you're gonna go play with some crocodiles and hippos And you're gonna go in there, and you're gonna come out better because of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what they did. So, I, hey, if any, <laughs> if anything, it's motivating. Look, assholes, you keep losing. We're going back in the in the crocodile hippo <laughs> <little> right. spot.
2: <laughs> right, we and already you- lost one. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. ready to fucking die for this? So. Look to your look to your left. <laughs> Look to your right. One of them won't make it. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> so it's one way to motivate your team.
2: Yeah. You know, I just wanted to have some fun with it and weird quirks. I mean, we know, I know we got serious ones out there with, you know, people that are thinking COVID's a hoax and, and things like that. And and you wonder where these people get these ideas from. So I just wanted to put a fun spin on it and see where people's heads are at sometimes. And one of them's in a crocodile's mouth. <laughs>
0: Well, technically he drowned, but yeah, more than likely oh, he, oh, he did yeah, get yeah. eaten by oh, man. a crocodile.
2: Yeah, he know? didn't get barrel rolled or anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for Ben Standing for taking some time with us today. Please check out Ben's work at TheAthletic.com. As always, we are on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like the show, share it on social media. Again, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook group. Thanks again for listening, and hope you guys have a great weekend.